It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today, we continue our mini-series on Twilight with the third chapter of the Twilight Saga, 2010's Eclipse. And we have a guest joining us to talk about backstories, high school graduation, and life choices, journalist Shania Russell. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. So, uh, Shania, we'd like to start off our show with asking our guests what uh, their personal history relationships with uh, the franchise in question uh, is. So, uh, so what's your background with Twilight? Both the books and the movies. Um, well, I was a preteen and then teen girl when Twilight was at its height. So I have a very long love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> um, I read all the books, watched all the movies. The way I first came to the franchise, actually... Um, so I grew up in a semi-religious household and books about vampires were not going to be tolerated. But all my friends were talking about Twilight. So before I could get the books myself, I would like find everything I could on the Internet. I was on like Tumblr and DeviantArt and um, I like read the Wikia pages for Twilight, like back to back. And so that's how I knew the plot and all the characters and all their backstories. And then eventually... I got the books and read those and then watched the movies and caught up. Um, I, when you read the books, finally, because um, like the, the irony of like, you know, the series has kind of like old fashioned kind of values towards a lot of stuff. Um, ironically, for something that was like, you know, could be seen as like a cult the way Harry Potter was. Did that kind of surprised mm-hmm. you when you finally got to read the books? You know, I don't I'm not even sure I noticed that at the time. I think it's something I realized a while later, I ended up taking a class in college that was about vampire fiction. And I think the reason I probably took the class is that it said in the course description that we would be reading and analyzing Twilight. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, that's where we kind of delved into like um, Stephanie Meyer's uh, Mormon background and the way it's like in the text. And I think it's not until then that I like when I revisited it as an adult that I was like, oh, my God. I didn't even notice any of this. Yeah, it, it, it's something we've kind of seen the filmmakers grapple with as they adapt each chapter of Meyer's story is like 
kind of like whether they're the actors or the writers or the director being like, okay, what are they trying to communicate or how do we reckon this kind of like old fashioned kind of romantic storytelling? Mm-hmm. Um, if it is even that, as we'll talk about in this chapter. Um, mm-hmm. So Scott, this was the final part of uh, your adventure when you went on a date to see uh, the first three chapters of the Twilight Saga at uh, was it was it was it a Cinemark? No, uh, no, it was like a it was just like a local movie theater, um, like oh, okay, a local cool. indie house theater that like <laughs> didn't make a lot of money, and they're like, well, I guess we'll just do a tri- Twilight marathon and sell out at least one screening for once in our business life um and so they did and that's that's how i watched it but uh yeah the midnight screening of eclipse and it was the last time i watched a twilight movie um so excited about getting into breaking dawn but i remember at the time thinking this was my favorite one of the three and having just rewatched it i still kind of think that i think it's still my favorite um i think it's like kind of firing on all cylinders there's a lot of werewolf mythology there's a lot of vampire backstory it and it all like mixes up and stuff um you know we'll talk about we'll talk about victoria and i'm sure you have information on why they felt the need to recast a real kind of nothing role in this episode this this chapter with and Bryce yet, Dallas Howard. <laughs> well, and and but and the and yet the primary antagonist. Yeah, but like she's in like four scenes, you know, like it's kind of insane. Um the way that it's structured and I don't know why they felt the need to recast it when there's like it's not like I don't know. We'll get into it. But I like David Slade's direction quite a bit. I think it's I think it's really good. I like that he like can jump back and forth between, you know, everything that he shoots in Seattle. Like it's very David Slade-ish and looks like a David Slade movie. And then, but as soon as he goes to Forks, he's like, yeah, but like I'm making a Twilight movie and that's fine. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it look like a Twilight movie. And so like, I really, I kind of respect what he did with this one. I'm Um, not surprised that he had such a fruitful second act of, of a career in television after this. Yes. Yes. Um, and Hannibal and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know. What, what else is he? Is he directed other kind of genre shows? Oh, yeah. Shows? He's done a lot. He's done a couple episodes, I think, of Black Mirror. Um, oh, that makes That rings a bell. Yeah. Wow. And a few other things. But, um, uh, yeah. So I saw this in theaters um, back in 2010, which was also the summer that I graduated high school. Mm. Uh, this was the first Twilight movie to come out in the summer. So, um, yeah, I remember like it all just kind of hit. Like, so I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie. Like, I have a lot of nostalgia for everything that happened that summer, like even the 18 movie. Um, <laughs> and so, but I like when I rewatched these in lockdown, like last autumn, I remembered really disengaging from this one. Mm. And I even mentioned it in last week's episode where like, I remember being very wheel spinning. Mm. Um, and this time watching it this morning, it really surprised me. I really enjoyed this one. Mm hmm. It it reminded me of like, do you remember when you were in like halfway through a season of Buffy mm-hmm. and like all of the pieces are on the board and now they're just moving around and you're seeing all of these, like you can see the finale being set up. Mm-hmm. And so I just found that all that really engaging and cool um, problems, you know, of course. And uh, I'm excited to get into, yeah, like the behind the scenes stuff. Screenwriter Melissa Rosenberg was excited about the opportunity in this chapter to go away from Bella's POV. Mm-hmm. Um, the books never leave uh, uh, Bella's POV, but she saw in this book an opportunity to like expand the mythology. And 
go into stuff because apparently, uh, and Shania, is this true in the book? Like the Victoria's army of newborns is kind of like a big surprise. Yes, we don't see them in the books at all until the way that we get like clips of them forming and everything. We don't get any of that in the books, except that there is a novella. I think you probably found in your research. There's like a side story that's basically the story of Victoria's army and that one girl that we get to see a little bit before the Volturi kill her. It's mm-hmm. her story. Yeah, it was called the uh, the short second life of Brie Tanner. And it came out like with in time with the the release of this movie. Uh, and it was just making it extra sad when you showed up in theaters. And yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And like, so I'm Rosenberg and the producer saw in this like, oh, this is an opportunity to read. We could show Victoria building the army and it could be like this thing. Cause I, and this is speculation on my part, but in watching the behind the scenes footage and promotional interviews that these people were doing, I, it felt like there was kind of an unspoken push to make these more friendly to a young male audience. Mm-hmm. Um, like in, in a lot of promotional interviews, Taylor Lautner, even for New Moon, was like, and fellas, like this one's got more action. There's <laughs> a lot of punching and 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 like it's not just, you know, kissing. And and so that was on my mind a lot during like the army building stuff. And like the fact that this climax is with like a big battle. Um. But in any event, uh, Slade was hired as a director uh, while as Rosenberg was writing her second draft. Mm-hmm. So these were like always overlapping. I think after the event with Catherine Hardwick, they were like, okay, this is each one is going to be a different director. They said for artistic reasons, I, you know, I think it had a lot to do with the release schedule they put for themselves. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because like, you know, your next director could be prepping the next movie as you're in post on the previous one, yeah. which you just can't do with the same director um not what not with most directors anyway um some some directors are insane workaholics like that but not a lot of them yeah and that's yeah. exactly what happened like slade was visiting pre-production post-production offices for a new moon mm-hmm. and just getting a taste of the world and stuff now uh, do you have any information on on you know the very famous quote from david slade like shit talking the twilight movies like a year before he gets hired as director for eclipse I didn't, but I remember reading about these on like Slash Film in 2009, being like a little film nerd. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, fuck those Twilight movies. Those aren't real vampires. Go see my movie. It takes 30 days place in Alaska, <laughs> 30 days a night. That's Those are real vampires. Um, and then I just remember like the fandom really ready to jump down his throat because they're like, he's going to fuck it up because he doesn't understand it, you know? Uh, Shania, do you remember reading any of that? Were you like kind of engaged that much back then? I don't actually. I, I feel like I was pretty engaged with everything, but I feel like I missed that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me see if I can find I, re- the I remember, like, in high school, there was kind of still, like, an apologetic, like, I couldn't just tell my f- friends that I, like, was just invested in going to the Twilight movies. It had to be kind of like, no, we make fun of it when, like, Taylor Lautner takes his shirt off and whatever. So, like, the idea of a director who thought it wasn't cool directing it at the time was like, oh, that could be interesting. But now I don't know. I, I, I think watching the behind the scenes stuff, I don't know. I think he put too much work into much like whites into bringing Myers's world to life to like be, be above the source material. Uh, mm-hmm. At least that was my impression. 
Uh, they said his movie Hard Candy had a lot to do with the decision. Hard Candy and 30 Days of Night, because that movie is about people making decisions. Hard Candy. And this was kind of the story about Bella having to really look at her board and decide where she wanted to go and seeing her options start to narrow. And like, what are the consequences of the choices that Bella and Edward have made for the past two movies? Like, what kind of world has that created? With like Victoria and all that stuff. Um, with Godfrey was back, producer, uh, DP Aguirre, uh, Javier Aguirre Sarobe came back, which I thought was interesting because this is a very different looking movie. So I found the David Slade, Slade quote. He, oh, was, cool. he was promoting 30 Days of Night um, and said during a radio interview uh, that he hates Twilight and wouldn't even see it at gunpoint, which is, you know, a contradiction. That and ultimately later... proved not to be true. Yeah. So he says, uh, 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 would I watch Twilight drunk? No, not even drunk. Twilight on, Twilight on acid? No, not even on a acid. Twilight at gunpoint. Just shoot me. Um, is what was he this, said. It's like on Twitter or is this like an interview? This was an interview, a radio interview. Oh, that would, that sounds so weird spoken. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It, feel, it sounds like a tweet. Yeah. It does sound like a tweet. Um, but then he like later apologized for it. Um, I'm sure he did. And wrote like a, a long letter about how he hadn't, he'd never seen the movie, obviously based on the quote. Um, and then he was desperate to see a movie one night and it was the only thing that he hadn't seen. So he saw it. So like, okay. Yeah, so he That's... saw it, and then he was like, "He was like, well, that wasn't as bad as I imagined it being." Um, I, I don't know. So. That's that has big like I'm buying this for my sister energy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it does. I couldn't just go to sleep. Uh, yeah. I mean, all things considered, it uh, the actual stars of Twilight have said similar things, so I feel <laughs> like the fandom is pretty used to. Right, that yeah. It just sure. seems like they're, yeah, like trying to just like make a lot of this work. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Stewart in, in the commentary, Kristen Stewart expressed like growing frustration with like scenes where she has to run into a room and just be told that like Edward's in Italy and like, whoa, or like have a vision. And mm-hmm. she's sure. like, this isn't what I'm, what really jazzes me about like acting and stuff. I'm kind of like lost at sea and stuff, sometimes literally. Um, uh, Slade had individual rehearsals with the actors mm-hmm. and sort of asked them like, Hey, what do you think about like Rosalie? What do you think about Alice? Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because these actors have now been playing these characters for like two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of ex- it bleeds into like why I like this one so much is it feels like it is expanding the board and we're peeking into all these different parts of like Bella and Edwards universe. Mm-hmm. Now we get, backstories in this movie for um both rosalie and jasper Uh do we ever get backstories for alice and the guy who's oh oh, oh, emmett emmett yeah that's the guy i can't even remember his name um do we get backstories for them ever or not really i don't remember to be honest Okay. I wouldn't think I don't think that they come up in the in the movies at all, which okay. was always a big disappointment. Yeah. 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 I don't. Yeah. Like Emmett just seems like he would have to have like the weirdest backstory. Emmett's backstory is also very thin. Everyone else has like really fleshed out. But Emmett's backstory is that he was mauled by a bear and Rosalie found him and saved him. <laughs> and he was trying that's to, the whole thing. He was trying to huh. hug it. 
So it's like The Revenant, except like if The Revenant ended with Leonardo DiCaprio getting bit by a vampire. If, Pretty much. If the bear scene was like the meat cute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she just watched it happen. Yeah. Uh, and like, uh, and yeah, Stuart and Pattinson both expressed like the fondness for Eclipse because it is kind of Edward and Bella have to get outside their comfort zone. Like New Moon in retrospect is a really isolated movie. They're like apart the whole time. Yeah. And in Eclipse, they're just like, you know, the vampires are sitting with the kids, the werewolves and the Cullens have to work together. And like all these drama, all this drama is like mashing up against each other in every scene. Mm -hmm. And I thought it gave this one a lot of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's really like, you know, stuff, um, we can go as we, uh, as we do the uh, walkthrough of the movie. Well, what's the Bryce Dallas Howard of it all? Do you have information oh, yeah. on that? I do. I have like I have like strands and stuff like that. So, um, Rochelle Laverve was very sideswiped by the the recasting. She even released a statement uh, expressing her surprise. Uh, apparently, like there was these, there was this like overlap of ten days where she would be unavailable because of commitments to another project. Oh. And this is speculation on my part, but it seemed like they used that overlap of 10 days of like, oh, well, she's going to miss 10 days. We have to recast the whole part. Uh-huh. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard had been offered the part in Twilight. Um, she like may have been pregnant or about to be like give birth like before filming or as filming was going to start. And there's also like a rumor that she thought the role was too small. But I don't necessarily believe that rumor because she was a big fan of the book. So she would have known that Victoria had like a bigger part if the yeah. franchise went forward. Well, and also she wasn't like a massive star yet at that point. Right. Because that was like right after Spider-Man 3, which is like, you know, she's got a pretty thankless role in that. So she took a thankless role in Spider-Man 3. I don't see why she wouldn't have done the same in Twilight. Right. Lady in the Water. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, and, but it was, it was a huge bummer. And like in the statement, uh, Rochelle Laverne was like, never in my life would I have imagined that this, the overlap of 10 days would have meant the severance of like an entire deal that I had with this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I honestly think that it makes the movie worse because I, you know, it's, <laughs> It's hard for me to keep track of everyone's names anyway, because, like, you know so little about the characters outside mm -hmm. of, like, the main three and Charlie, our boy Charlie. But, <laughs> but like, the fact is, like, you know, she shows up, and if I didn't know better, I wouldn't know that she's supposed to be the the redheaded girl from the previous two movies. You know, like, I would just assume, like, oh, I guess this is just a new vampire I don't know about. And like, I get, I guess they just know about her or something. Cause there's also the baffling thing later in the movie where Edward's like, you wanted to take away Bella the way I took away your, your boyfriend, the love of your life. And I'm like, he, you didn't take him away. Alice did. Alice like jumped on his back and like spun his head off. Like that <laughs> was awesome. Like, yeah. It would, it fucking ruled. You had nothing to do with it. You were like, <laughs> you were like ho humming about like sucking the poison out of her blood. Like that's. You had nothing to do with the death of James. Uh, that's a much interesting story. If she has like a specific vendetta against Alice. Yeah. What it reminded me of listening to you, Scott, is um, so like I love the Fast and Furious movies. And I, you know, it, it's really fun when like a character comes back after like a bunch of movies. But like to me, the fun is that they found the original actor. Yeah. Like, if they recast Bow Wow, 
for like the latest one and it's like it's that character but it's a different like well then what's the point because like the right. fun is seeing these actors like carry over right and so it just kind of spoils the fun of watching this character develop into yeah. like the primary antagonist i don't know i guess i wasn't like too worried about the recasting maybe just on a level of like ooh, bryce dallas howard is here now right um <laughs> I guess I don't remember New Moon super well. It might have been like my least favorite bit, but I was surprised by how much she was in New Moon, which still isn't a lot. But like in my memory, she kind of like disappears for a bit and then comes back in Eclipse really big. She's mostly in New Moon running into Forks and then the werewolves like chase her to the Canadian border because because uh-huh. for some reason werewolves can't cross the Canadian border. Yeah. They have to like stay Canadi- in America. <laughs> Canadian vampires won't extradite their own, Scott. <laughs> right. <of course. laughs> she's a she's a really interesting antagonist because like Meyer describes her even Bryce Dallas Howard describes her as a manipulator she's behind the scenes she's not like you know Loki or the Joker she she and she's kind of she needs to lay low in order to avoid friggin Alice who can have just prophecies and visions at any moment about whatever's happening sure Mm -hmm. so yeah I think but I think the thing that robs it of that weight of that manipulation weight is that like when she later is telling uh riley that she loves him i don't not believe her because it's a different person like if it was the other person i was like no you don't love him you love james but i'm like i never saw bryce howard or bryce dallas howard love james so like maybe she does love riley i don't know uh right so so yeah i don't know it doesn't hit, I think, the way that I would have wanted it to. I think it's awkward more than anything because, like, yes. Bryce Dallas Howard is so good in this role. I think she brings a lot, you know, to a really nonverbal part. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the cost, it's like, it's like, you know, making someone leave the table so that someone you like can sit at the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, like, hey, leave Rochelle LeVerve, get out. And you're like, oh, shit. Pe- people liked her. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like, but it's, I don't remember it being a super like distracting thing in 2010 when I wasn't thinking about these a lot, like in between seeing. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, the movie opens. Speaking of Riley, we meet Riley as a human in Seattle right. walking in the rain. Kind of the most straight up horror scene in the saga so far. Yeah, that's actually true. Um, thanks, David Slade. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he gets attacked in the rain, he gets bitten, and then he starts like uh bitten on the hand and then uh starts shaking and convulsing and screaming in pain uh from the 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 poison. Obviously. I think this guy really brings it. Yeah. 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 Um I like this a lot. Uh and then we go we go back to uh Bella and Edward in their they're back in their meadow. Their favorite their, it, it's their, their uh it's their uh <laughs> central perk. It is. <laughs> just for them a central perk just for them you you know i've been this movie made me really think about how film franchises borrow a lot from what makes television shows successful Mm -hmm. you have the comfort quality of like oh we're back in the cafeteria we're back in the meadow Mm -hmm. and like where these characters haven't changed a lot because this is only a few weeks or days after new moon Mm -hmm. with yeah 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 i think those are especially with Breaking Dawn coming next, not to spoil anything, but you know, they've graduated now. So some of those places kind of leave completely. And it's, it's really nice, especially when they're in the cafeteria or back in their meadow and 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of like in shows like OC or Buffy and Veronica Mars where like they graduate high school and you're like, oh, they're going to get a whole new sets after this. We're not going to come back to the school sets. Right. Right. Um, so this scene, we learn that Bella is anti-marriage because she's like, I don't know why we need a piece of paper, which number one, I don't think it's going to be a piece of paper, Bella. The dude's a vampire. He's like 109 <laughs> years old. I don't think he can legally get married. Uh, <laughs> it's not like a form you're going to sign. <laughs> yeah. Um, number Wait, one. Is no- Edward like in the system? Does he have like a social security card? I mean, he must have something, right? This is, I promise I'm not going to, well, in the books the whole time, but in the books, oh, they do like, they have like a person who, who they like threaten and scare with like them being vampires and he makes them documents every couple of years. Oh. That's great. Like a Renfield kind of. Yes. Nice. Yes. That's, That's a really bummer. Cool. They got a strong arm them that they can't just like <laughs> invite him to dinners and be like, don't you want to hang out with us? We're pretty cool. <laughs> this person exclusively knows Carlisle as like a brutal, merciless <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like businessman. Um Yeah, so she's like anti-marriage. Uh she's just like, I don't know why we need to like commit to that, but then she's like, but also I am committed to you turning me into a vampire forever and ever and ever. And I just it's such a silly argument because it's like, why What's the difference? Like either way, you're you're making a huge commitment. Like I just do both. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it's the big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So so Edward's thing is like I don't want to turn you into a vampire because I know what that means. I know what that sacrifice is. Yeah. But I also he he asks her to marry her because like that those are the only circumstances in which I would turn to you. Right. 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 Okay. And she's like, but you need to turn me before I I won't marry you until you turn me. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, okay, well, uh, checkmate, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think she's kind of like, I, I don't want to get married. I don't know what that means. But you turning me means something. And there's sort of something going on where she's like, my parents got divorced. And so I don't know what marriage means to anyone. But this does feel like one of those after the fact, um, oh, Twilight's trying to teach me a moral about marriage being important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's sometimes how it comes off for sure. But I do I do agree with you, though, that I think the character Bella has like character rooted issues about marriage as a concept because like she probably grew up as Charlie and Renee were like breaking up. But like mm-hmm. the romantic notion of being with Edward forever and having superpowers like sounds way more enticing than just getting married to a guy. Seventeen. Yeah. So Bella goes home 4 p.m. sharp because Charlie has grounded her for calling him a piece of shit in the last movie and going to Italy. <laughs> like, <"You're... laughs> he said grounded um, forever and he meant it. Yeah. Um, and then he was just like, all right, well, you're ungrounded because you're too good at being grounded. Uh, <laughs> there's not really any point in keeping yeah. you grounded. Little does he know that Edward just crawls into her bedroom window yeah. every night so there's really no grounding going on yeah right yeah it's <laughs> it's weird i don't know i i uh i kind of uh Stewart and pattinson kind of argued about this throughout the commentary and it kind of it kind of incepted its way into my brain but sometimes it feels like edward is using his morals of like oh it's for you bella that's why i don't want to turn you or that's why i don't want to like have sex before marriage it kind of feels like he's using it as like a way of control over her uh-huh and to like always be having the power and like yeah he has he, he like appears in her truck without her knowing it 
Yeah, well, and I think that I think that it's I think it's mostly an innocent thing on Stephanie Meyer's part. I think that she's just not aware of the types of things that she's attracted to coming from a Mormon upbringing and doesn't realize that she's bringing that into this. I think it's totally innocent from her perspective. You know, I don't think that she's like trying to incept this, like these like toxic relationship things into the minds of the youth, but But in the lens of like a modern audience watching this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like general audience. It it definitely Mm -hmm. comes off as toxic. I think it's definitely a thing that you can view it that way. And I think that if you told Stephanie Myers that as I'm sure many people have um, that I think she would be like, what, what do you mean? She just, what he wants to take care of her and make sure that she's, you know, doing the right thing. And it's like, Oh, right. You're Mormon. Yes. That's why, <laughs> that's why he, she, he cut the brakes on her truck. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Out exactly. of love. Yes. And it's funny that the movie is sort of trying to deal with it in, in the way that like Renee says, Oh, the way he looks at you, like everyone around Bella is saying he's very intense. This relationship is really intense, <laughs> yeah. but, but then, and Jacob makes the point too. And, and ultimately she's like, yeah, but that's love right yeah it, it's interesting yeah that that is like because um in that scene that, that we're on with where charlie's talking to bella and he's like hey you're ungrounded if you hang out with people who aren't edward mm-hmm. like jacob and that like it, mm-hmm. I, I was like Ugh, i kind of coiled because jacob also is like just really i felt for bella because like oh i know what that interaction is going to be like it's just going to be more pressure and more like you know she doesn't have someone that she can just like maybe alice but that's mostly in the books right like her friendship yeah. with alice. Yeah. yeah so then uh she goes to school the next day there's this great cafeteria scene that we were referencing earlier um where alice is like hey let's have a graduation party and they're just like oh yeah i can't ever have enough of those and then <laughs> i was like yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem like a good idea because of what happened last time and then just like eye daggers at jasper and then alice leans back and it appears that she's having an existential crisis i think to everyone (laughs) at the table but she's having a vision (laughs) i was also really happy just to see oh edward sitting with her friends now and i feel like that's the first time any of them interact with them and it's nice to know that they've come around to interacting with lowly humans now that bella's involved yeah it's actually like a really clean visual way to show that edward is opening his world up a little bit Mm-hmm. Yeah, it but it's it's troubling because it's like I I wish there was more of that, but the but the the story is so preoccupied in the idea that once you become a vampire, you can't interact with humans anymore. You have to isolate yourself from your friends and family that you never really like after like I don't I again, I haven't seen the Breaking Dawn movies, but I've heard that her friends take a huge backseat in in the even more so than in this movie. But that happens uh, after yeah. you graduate. Right. Yeah. But like. <laughs> no, you just right. stop interacting with like humans. Right. Like it's, it's just like, no, you have to isolate yourself. And so like scenes like this are bittersweet because I wish there were more of them. I wish there was more of them just doing normal high school stuff and the weirdness of these vampires being part of the friend group. Um, Because I I think that that would be much more entertaining than what we get, which is them constantly telling her, hey, enjoy it while it lasts. Because when you're a vampire, you got to say goodbye to all of this stuff and all of these people because you have to isolate yourself and just be part of the Cullen family. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like. 
if there had been a you know that, that uh, like if there had been a scene where bella and jessica where bella and jessica are like helping like bella's helping jessica with her senior speech like mm-hmm. after school at her at her house mm-hmm. or something like when they go went to, when they went to go prom dress shopping together yeah yeah but that instead makes it, it instead it just feels like they're celebrities who are like all of these human people are lucky that they're sitting at their table. Like that's kind of how it comes off instead, you know, and getting invited and, to their party. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, I had an idea watching this that I, I, I want to share with both of you. Cause I'd love to get your, your opinion. Cause I was like, Oh, if in a dimension where the twilight books were never adapted into movies and now it's 2022, mm-hmm. like I'm like, Oh, there's zero chance. It would be a movie franchise. I think it would almost certainly be like a Netflix series. Like, yes. like shadow and bone yes. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And in that event, you could totally get like a B plot where like Edward and Mike are lab partners. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, like all that fun stuff that you can like the kind of happen with vampire diaries where you could really flesh out like character relationships and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I also think this movie is one of my favorites because it feels like the closest we ever get to that. Uh, because after this point, everyone kind of fades away. And we do a little bit of it in Twilight and New Moon. But those are mostly about, like, spending time with Edward and then spending time with Jacob. And this feels like the closest we get to bringing everything together and hanging out with everyone as much as we can, which isn't a lot. Because there's also, like, a big plot that we're trying <laughs> to unpack. Yeah. It reminds me, like, with Half-Blood Prince, where you kind of know this is, like, the last one at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is It is definitely bittersweet, but I do really like the scene. I just wish there were more of them. For sure. So some other stuff happens, basically. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, like, the next important thing that really happens is that um, Bella uh, goes to Florida to see her mom. And right. Charlie's, like, all for it. And then he's like, oh, there's two tickets and Edward's going to go with you? Cool. Great. Awesome. Um, <laughs> he is- says, he says, Edward says it's because the tickets are about to expire. Yes. And you should see your mom before you graduate, Bella, but you find out that he has, like, ulterior motives. Right, right. Um, this scene with her mom and, like, getting the t-shirt quilt and yeah. her mom just being like, it really looks like Edward would take a bullet for you. And he's like, she's like, that not that a good thing? And he's, she's like, it's an intense thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like a, a really, like, I don't know, like, a really, it feels like a really healthy conversation for, like, a a mother to be having with their daughter of just, like, hey, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but, like, this is really intense. This is a lot. It kind of contextualizes their relationship to to us, I think, a little more. of Like, okay, other people thinks thinks that this is, like, intense as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That quilt that uh, uh, Renee gives Bella took over 400 hours of collective work to make. Oh, Wow. And uh, the filmmakers and the director like reached out to friends that were artists and like, hey, can you whip up like a little logo? And so there's all kinds of crazy stuff. There's like a Senor Snake taco stand and snake farm. There's like all kinds of fun stuff in there. Um, I mean, that's cute, but like it feels ultimately like a bit of a waste of time because <laughs> you don't really get to get a good look at it or anything. And it's no. like you spent 400 hours on that. <laughs> I- I hope Kristen Stewart like has that in her closet somewhere. She probably burned it when <laughs> when they ended Breaking Down she, Part Two. She like burned all of it one night. You know how like when you burn all your binders and stuff when you graduate. Yeah, 
The way that Edward burns Victoria's body, she just collected all the <laughs> right, yeah. lighter. Right. You do that yeah, dance. She that threw the doing. she like twisted her wig off and threw it in the fire too. <laughs> oh, the wig for sure got, got oh, burned. The wig. <laughs> Uh, th- this was the movie where I really appreciated Bella being both both of these characters' daughter. Where, like, I really see that she has Charlie's awkwardness and, like, good heart, but then also, like, Renee's, like, recklessness. And, like, I'm doing this. Or, like, I don't care what's, like, don't tell me I'm young. I'm going to do this. Like, they do it in really different ways, but. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, God, just I like creeping. just, like, hangs out in the house. It's so weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We can't go outside. It's Florida. It's sunny. Um, or at least it happened to be sunny. She was there. Was that line where she goes, uh, "You could go to university in Florida. There, it's it's sunnier than Alaska." And I'm like, I mean, on the days that it's sunny, but I mean, it's Florida. It rains a lot in Florida. <laughs> I don't know. So so yeah, while they're in Florida. Uh, the the Cullens are chasing Victoria through the woods in, I would say, one of the coolest action sequences in the movie, I think. I think this is fun. I like the way that they look running. I, I like the way that it looks. I think it's a really cool effect. So the way they kind of, because it's interesting how each of these three movies have chosen really different ways to show the vampire action, as Meyer writes it. And like for the running, they're being pulled on like trucks. Oh, yeah. And it's like different from like the wire work that was used in like the first one. Uh, Should I, what do you think about like the vampire action in in Eclipse? I'm always so torn about it because some of it, it, like, like, I think like you said, where where they're trying to appeal to the male audience with all this new action, which is great. I do think that this movie has some of the best action in the whole franchise. I don't know. I'm more so mixed on it. Like I'm not, but, but I do, I do like it in this movie, especially the last fight with Victoria. And I like the clashing with the wolves that we get to see a little bit of. Yeah. Uh, I think really impressive, like digital effects work. Uh, Slade didn't like, so like Chris White's wanted the wolves to have like the faces of the humans kind of like the emotional faces. But David Slade was like, no, they're wolves. They're just going to look like wolves. And hmm. I didn't even notice a shift, really. That's interesting. Yeah. Now I want to go back and like compare, <laughs> compare and contrast the wolves. Um, but yeah, I think like Victoria hopping from like place to place is really cool. And mm-hmm. just seeing the Cullens being like a unit, almost like the X-Men is really cool. I just love that she just keeps running onto their land and they keep like chasing her off with a broom, like, <laughs> like a <laughs> raccoon. Get out of here. Go on. Get <laughs> before she gets to the border. Yeah. So uh, uh, when they get back, which we never get to see them at the airport or on a plane, which I think is a missed opportunity. I would love to see uh, what a vampire has to do to be on a plane. (laughs) Edward Um, in Florida, I think, is a big missed opportunity. Yeah, just in general. Yeah, would love to see Edward walking around with a little umbrella, just mm-hmm, a little parasol. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. See, this is this. If this were a TV series, that would be a whole episode. Of mm-hmm. of them in Florida, <laughs> um, he's like holed up in the hotel. Yeah, because yeah, from the mom's perspective, he was just like weirdly distant the entire trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just staring at Bella longingly through the window <laughs> until nightfall. <laughs> yeah. Um. But when they when they get back, uh, Jacob meets Bella at school, and he's like, real 
pissed off like he well, is like well he I came just most to, times he came just to check that edward hadn't turned him turned bella right right but then also tell her to like you got to get the vampires off our land you know keep them off our land right and uh so he's real mad and he reveals the like, truth about like why edward wanted <laughs> bella to leave for right. a few days so then she skips school uh and goes with jacob so that um he like takes her to like the reservation and uh, tells her about imprinting. Right. Which is. Uh, we meet Leah Clearwater, daughter of the late Harry Clearwater. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of learn, we kind of get like a weird, like, a, like an info dump on just like the Quaalude drama that had gone on in between uh, New right. Moon and now. Right. Um, the imprinting thing is interesting because. You know, everybody everybody likes to make fun of it in in Breaking Dawn. Um and I'm I'm interested to see how it's played out when we get there. Um I'm interested like, to see you watch how it plays out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like just like the joke of like everybody being like, "Oh yeah, Jacob takes one look at that baby and is like, I'm going to fuck that baby and like <laughs> imprints on her," which is like that's how everybody always tells the joke about it. But the mm-hmm. way he describes it, it is a lot more innocent sounding. It's more of just like I realize that I care about this person more than anything. And it's going to be the thing that like anchors my whole life, but he's not like talking about like it in any kind of romantic way. He like, he's talking about it as like, I don't know, like you could, I feel like the way that he's describing it, at least in this scene, I could understand if like a father meets his daughter, his baby daughter the first time and then says the same exact things about her but doesn't mean it in any sort of like gross romantic way of just being like, I love this thing so much that like my entire life is going to revolve around it now. Like my life is different now that I have seen met this person. And Uh, so like, there's a world where like, I feel like the way he's describing it is not romantic necessarily. mm -hmm. Um, So that was interesting to me. I'm really glad you read it that way because I worried that it was very, romantic heavy in the movie where um in the book we meet up but like in the movie i feel like our our primary um explanation of imprinting comes from the leia love triangle and in the book we meet like all the other and there is like a father who's imprinted on his daughter and there's like a an older guy who's imprinted on somebody's niece and like he is very protective of her and there are all these like other dynamics um and the movies have always centered it more around the romance, which makes the later imprinting um, a lot weirder or a lot easier to make fun of. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me a lot of what you were saying earlier, Scott, about the Edward, you know, sneaking into Bella's room and watching her. And like, you can see maybe the authorial intent of like, no, it's not creepy. He like protect he's protective and innocent. But to make a more general audience, the more eyes that are on a thing the more people that could potentially be like, actually, that's kind of weird or find the weird avenue that this idea could take. Right. I think the tribe also could have really benefited from this being a series. Yes. Yes. Where we could see some of the Leah and Emily and Sam stuff played out as opposed to just explained by, you know, Taylor Lautner. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's very sad that Leah has all of two or three scenes in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, and in general, you know, I think that 
if you if you ever if they ever redid this as like a Netflix series or something, and maybe I mean the movies are so popular on Netflix that Netflix might want to try and pull the trigger on that in a couple of years. Who knows? But uh, there's a world where you know if Stephanie Meyer allowed it. Uh, don't give so much creative control to your authors, everybody. Um, uh, I, I feel like there's a world where they could go to the actual Quaalude, uh, tribe and be like, Hey, is there a way that we can merge your actual beliefs and the things that you actually do and the, the way that you actually are with what she wrote here? Is there a way to like merge these things so that it's more respectful to your actual, you know, real tribe that exists? Um, instead of just being made up by a Mormon white woman. Uh, well, and even know? the, because uh, in doing the research, like, I'm reading like the official movie guide for, for Eclipse, they, for the flashbacks of, of, of you know, the first time that the Quaalude people met the, the, the cold ones, uh, they were like, yeah, like, unfortunately, like in real life, the Quaalude village was, uh, uh, had suffered an arsonist attack in the 19th century. And so a lot of it was destroyed before there was any photographic reference of it. And mm. so... The filmmakers traveled along the Pacific Northwest and the Quaalute background set that we see is like an amalgamation of Pacific Northwest, uh, like different tribes and different people. But like there was a really reading the book, there was a kind of an unsettling distance in which the filmmakers would talk about the Quaaludes of like, well, there's no way of knowing because it's been lost to history and. We will never know, and like they're they're alive, like they're al- they're alive people right now. Yeah, and that they never reached out in any really meaningful way is 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 really surprising somehow for me. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like in twenty twenty two, maybe like yeah, I think that might even be like one of the best reasons to maybe try the story again mm-hmm. is to expand on that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and in general, just like getting to expand everybody's backstories, like give them like full episodes, you know, that are just like focused on their backstory and their origins and mm-hmm. things like that, I think could be really, really interesting. Um, so Bella comes back after hanging out with Jacob and uh, Rain guy, uh, <laughs> Riley, uh, has broken into her house and is like, Sniffing around and being weird. Seventy-two hours ago, he was like in a biology class. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and uh, and then so like when Edward comes and starts freaking out, and then Jacob comes and starts freaking out, and they all they both start freaking out at each other, and then that's when Bella gets to say her famous line of like "I am Switzerland," <laughs> which uh, is like one of the. One of the more like memorable, like quotable lines in in the Twilight Saga, I think. Yeah, uh, Bella's got some great ones, but yeah, that that's it's one of them. Um, yeah, it's and I, I think this is a big. Just watching these two constantly having to like be in conflict of each other is is really fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we get the uh, the origin of the vampire werewolf rivalry in right. uh, in a really cool flashback story. Yeah, in the commentary, Stuart talked about this this deleted scene where they actually tried to inject Bella into the flashback, and like had Kristen Stewart wear like a native costume and had like her hair in braids and like darkened her yes, skin. Yes, I, I remember this. It's like a dream sequence they planned or something. I think it was actually the start of the movie originally. Is that she and she does the like uh, stabbing thing yeah. and yeah. 
Yeah, and you guys can't see my face right now, but I, it is like frozen in like yikes terror. Um, wow. Yeah, she seemed to believe that it had been that it had been cut. Yeah, jeez. Uh, that's that that sucks. Um, but yeah, the story here is like pretty pretty good. Mm. The you know, oh, and the, apparently this campfire scene was really difficult to shoot. It was like raining the whole time. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's weird. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a cool uh, flashback sequence, and and it was really cool because you know this is kind of the return of Gil Birmingham as Billy Black, who was like largely absent from New Moon, mm-hmm. and I don't know, just watching him deliver this monologue that is it's so complicated i mean i can't imagine as a native actor the mixed emotions of like as an actor trying to bring resonance and heart to this fictional story about a real people that maybe isn't you know as as an actor you know it reminded me of um i watched this rita moreno documentary over the summer um like retrospecting her career and it all like all the thankless roles that she had in her career just what was available but it kind of like i was grateful for it as like a latin actor of like wow because of those roles that she took brick by brick it opened up the opportunities where we are now and so that's kind of where i was like because gil birmingham is like really bringing it in this like monologue and i don't know it's just like the, the the mixed emotions of that I don't know. It was just kind of where my brain was at. But yeah, so we we set up the fact that um, to distract the vampires, uh, this this woman like uh, basically stabs herself um, right. in the in the stomach or whatever, uh, and uh, the blood distracts them long enough for the werewolves to take care of business, and uh, they're like, "And we do it all for her. She was amazing." Bella's like, "Oh, okay," and so she. <laughs> She processes that for later. Um, the first person to ever hear this. Yeah. Right. Um, and then this is where we start learning about uh, the concept of new bloods, which. Newborns. Yeah. It's a real, newborns are like vampires are never more dangerous than like in the first month or so of their afterlife. Right. Right. They, they got the blood um, crazies. They're building a bunch. They're making a bunch of them and they're, they're, they're causing chaos and. All kinds of things, and uh, and and the 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 more sane vampires are all getting upset, including the the Cullens, but also the other guys. You know, Arrow, um, the sanest yeah. of all the vampires. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. Let's see. We get oh, we get Jacob forcing a kiss on Bella, and Bella punching him in the face and breaking her hand. Uh, is, yeah, that's rough. When she hits him, and it's just like there's no movement whatsoever i i'm just like oh <laughs> like it just it really does look super painful uh top 10 like reckless bella stunts i think yeah oh yeah. for sure yeah i i i had to go back and and read the book scene of, of that kiss because in my head when it happened i remembered it being a lot worse his trying to kiss her and it is a lot worse in the book maybe because they have to go into the detail of describing how he like pulls her forward and like holds her in place but it's like a lot worse because I feel like up until this point I personally was very leaning towards team Jacob and and this is where everyone turns on him very strongly so I've yeah. so yeah I, in my opinion in these movies it it doesn't seem like they give a lot of supporting weight to team Jacob where like every mm-hmm. kiss is seemingly under duress 
or like desperation. And so like, what about in the, is like in the book, is it just, is Jacob a more well-rounded character that he is in the movies? I think he is. I, I think he's easier to like um, before his transformation. He, he's just like Bella's very sweet friend who obviously has a crush on her and comes around to comfort her whenever Edward hurts her. And then, um, and then I feel like once he changes and he's like really in the running, he also becomes very like forceful and possessive and suddenly they're, they're not so different. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it's uh, cause in the, in this movie, especially Jacob represents like the life that Bella will be giving up if she chooses a vampire mm-hmm. and Jacob is supposed to represent even visually like warmth and red and life. And, but it's weird that like so much of what he does is like, in the movie like very kind of creepy and possessive yeah it's he also he has a lot of speech scenes to her where the words he's saying i'm like he's making valid points if you don't have to literally die to be with me mm-hmm. um but everything he does makes it so yeah creepy and, like yeah. there's that moment i think it might have happened already where like uh oh because it's it's when jacob picks up bella to go to the campfire and jacob like it's like hey beautiful and like hugs bella while making eye contact with edward and it's like a villain move, honestly, <laughs> like in a rom-com. A lot of his moves are villain moves, honestly. Um, it's very off-putting. Um, yeah, but like also, you know, adding to the off-putting nature of, of this forced kiss, right after this, we get Rosalie's origin story, which is also about forcing things in ways that are uncomfortable um and and uh illegal and uh gross well it gets and, revealed and that like leaves uh, her for dead bella is like you know bella's like why do you hate me and rosalie's like i don't hate you i envy you because like out of mm-hmm. all of us you were the only one that like has a choice between life and what we did like none of us had a choice right it was like this or death and carlisle intervened we were incapacitated or unconscious or whatever all of us are like near yeah. death and it's I love that it, I love that this backstory comes from Rosalie trying to connect to Bella. It comes from like a character place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a it's it's a highlight of the movie. This like her her backstory. It, yeah. it is. It's a brutal backstory um that I'm I'm I have mixed feelings about. Uh and I don't when everyone everyone has been being like like, uh, yeah, Rosalie is like really mean to Bella, but it's okay. She has a good reason to be. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And I was like waiting for the reason. And then here is the reason. And I'm like, I don't know that that justifies how, how much of a dick she's been to Bella since the beginning. I, don't I guess know. I don't think she's been that um, big of a dick to Bella. Just kind of yeah. like, you're, you're an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. When you're, I feel like she's yeah. been looking out for her in a, in a really mean way, but she's been <laughs> trying to push her away from the Collins in her own way, which I've always loved Rosalie. So go on, get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, Nikki Reed's um, like vampire bride costume is awesome. Oh my wow. God. Rules. I could watch a whole show yeah. about that. I mean, she sells the cut between her face to her current face in present time. And she still has that like nostalgic smile. Like, yeah, I was a bit theatrical back then. Like <laughs> rules. Oh God, it's really good. But it doesn't work. Bella's like, but um, I love Edward more than it's like, oh my God. Something chemically is going to change in you. <laughs> You're just gonna want blood. You don't understand. Um yeah, so then we go to graduation, 
uh, everybody graduates and uh, uh, we get yeah. a speech, which is uh, there's just this really this really funny moment in the speech where uh, Jess, Jessica, mm-hmm. right? That's her name. Okay. Um, where Jessica uh, says, um, who the hell knows? And she says it in a way that is like a teenager cursing in public for the first time. And yeah. it's, it's kind of perfect. It's kind yeah. of perfect. Uh, Anna Kendrick gets like five minutes in each movie and she really goes for it. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like you know like someone comes out once a game and just hits a home run and then just goes back to the dugout. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Is she in Breaking Dawn really at all? Very or? briefly. As Very as briefly. as much okay. as the other students. Yeah. Uh, Rosenberg was really excited to write this speech for Kendrick. This was fresh mm-hmm. off of her Oscar win for Up in the Air. Oh right. Um and and yeah, I forgot she mm-hmm. won. Jesus. <laughs> Weird looking back now after. <laughs> Yeah, a few yeah. years. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so it's a cool speech. It was it was fun watching this as a recent high school graduate at the time. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a solid. It, it kind of it really feels like a uh, a closing of this part of the of the series, like a little mm-hmm. epilogue or that they give Jessica this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, they go to a graduation party. Jacob shows up. He like crashes and like Bell's apologizes. Like, I punched you in the Bella face. Necklace. <laughs> and you broke oh, my hand yeah, my party. with his like weird gang with his like bros and it always yeah. are they wearing a shirt in the scene they are oh okay. I, I had a question impressive. okay so the werewolves they come out all the time in their jorts and nothing else okay. and so <laughs> yeah. i guess like the logic is like because when they're wolves the the jorts explode and they're wolves and it's like right do they just have like a pot, like a, a a wad of denim in a shed that they just like make jorts every week? Mm-hmm. I literally wrote down notes. I was so excited to address this. Okay, great. They do address this in the book. They all wear these little straps that they have on their legs where they have like extra shorts in them. And, and when they change, they like put them back on or take them off. It's a whole thing. And okay. Yeah. Oh, cause I was just the, cause from the movies, I, I, I would feel like I would just go and buy like in bulk, like, Costco like shorts and a tank top. I wouldn't just wear like denim all the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like uh, it, it's like I, they they try to tackle that in the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk, <laughs> where he's just like you know buying like cheap stretchy mm-hmm. pants. He's like, you have stretchy pants because that's what I need. Um, and you know, it's it doesn't really it doesn't really work out. And I think they just bail on it in the yeah. remainder. Hulk movie, Hulk uh, appearance, but you definitively but, see the jorts um, explode when they when they wolf out. In this yes, one. right, right, yeah, exactly. So, um, ah, the jorts, <laughs> it's memorable. It's a great group costume. That's sure. It's yeah. cold. Um, it's it's also interesting uh, because I think that they all wear jorts, mm. but Jacob specifically wears cargo shorts. That's his trademark. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like I don't I don't wear jorts. I wear cargo shorts. He's with shorts, them, but so he's not quite with them, you know. Right. Yeah. I didn't want to. He's still Yeah, he's still on the He's like you'll never be one of us until you start wearing shorts. You <laughs> like they're investigating and you see like torn cargo shorts in the woods and you're like it was Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so then the the vampire the the Colons and the werewolves they have like an uneasy yeah, alliance. Yeah, this is where they're big like guess that makes us partners. 
it's in. Yeah. And so they're going to they're going to uh train the werewolves how to fight vampires properly. Um to to hopefully mitigate as much like death and and injury as possible. And this is when Jasper really steps up out of the background and has like yeah. lines and an accent it turns out for about 5 lines, yeah. Yeah, when when he yeah. really is in the moment and he really is back in civil war mode. Yeah. The thing that's interesting about Jasper as a character that I or that I like about like I guess the build of his character, don't love that he's a Confederate soldier because <laughs> I don't know who would. Well, the choice um, to make him uh, like not even because like in the Vampire Diaries, one of them is in the Confederate Army, but he's like I didn't care. I wasn't. I was just. I don't even know what I was doing. But Jasper is called out as like the youngest major in the Texas Confederacy at the time, so he was like yes, an ambitious soldier, right. Um, and in his flashback, it's a huge missed opportunity to not give him, like, a crazy Civil War, like, mustache or, like, beard like or something. Like... The fact that he's just clean-shaven, like, bummed me out. I was, like, so amped to get, like, a, some really great facial hair, but, like, no, nothing. Um, but but uh, the thing that I really like about this, outside of the Confederate stuff, um, is that... His power is to, you know, control people's emotions and things and, and like get people to like feel the way that he wants them to feel. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like a leader does, especially a leader in the military, someone who's like trying to inspire people. But he's doing it through manipulation. And that's kind of his power. And he was a leader in the Confederacy. And now he's like leading them through the training and like i don't know like i feel like there's a lot of like really cool threads there that i like and maria um, as a as a character maria build. the character that turned uh jasper i think saw that in him like oh he could be the one to like raise my army that i'm making at the time yeah yeah um so i just i really i like that as uh you know built from a like three-dimensional character standpoint um even though before this, we knew absolutely nothing about Jasper. Now we know a lot about Jasper, and I'll be curious to see if we get a lot of Jasper in the Breaking Dawn movies, or if this was like kind of it. Like this was like, you know, his moment to shine is the scene. Did you know about his power before this moment? I feel like they made a passing reference. This to is, it. Yeah, there's a part in New Moon in... where Bella's like Jasper. Okay, fucking yeah. asshole, oh, yeah. don't okay. do that. And his tee, yeah, his trademark, his catchphrase. <laughs> uh, Shania, two, two kind of two tiered question. Um, what, what do you, how do you feel about the way that Jasper's backstory is brought to life in the movie, and how much of a character is Jasper in the books leading up to Eclipse? Like, is there, you know, is he more fleshed out at this point? Um, a little more. We're we're definitely aware of his uh, ability and his like relationship. He's mostly around in his relationship to Alice and mm. Alice's relationship to Bella. And he, he uses his power on Bella a couple of times in that way. It, it, I guess they threw it into new moon to like reference it, but he does that a lot more um, in the books and his backstory. I thought it was an interesting choice that they talk about his relationship with Maria as romantic, because that's not the case in the book. Um, wow. And it felt like they were, pushing the same way that victoria is manipulating riley obviously they were like making that connection but it all right it's also funny that it felt like in, in a movie that's so much about like 
Bella um, wanting to have sex with Edward, Edward not wanting to have sex with her, Jacob wanting to have, you know, Mm -hmm. that the two um, people manipulate, the two women manipulating men to do their bad, bad bidding are doing it sexually. Um, Where in the book, she's just like a very like, powerful magnetic person and just and everyone worship worships the ground she walks on and that's kind of the build of their relationship uh yeah it's more of like a mentorship yeah that's interesting yeah that is it's like i i guess i can see maybe where rosenberg or slade saw like the parallels mm-hmm. and the connected stuff but yeah it is it is it's weird because I mean, like that like the manipulation factor of like victoria and maria but then also like the confederacy stuff it just reminds me of like myers headspace of like that kind of nostalgia of like that old-fashioned like i don't know just like that that perspective um it's cool seeing rathbone not be super awkward in a scene (laughs) or just staring very intensely yeah yeah like vibrating shaking uh that is true this is probably the best performance i've ever seen from him yeah so it's a it's a fun little montage yeah, yeah. It it's is. cool seeing how they all fight, um, how all the Cullens fight differently. Yeah. yeah. Alice is super agile. I, mm-hmm. I like that. And I th- I did think that, like, Alice and Jasper's little sparring match was it cute. Was very cute. Um, mm-hmm. the, little, <laughs> the little kissing sparring match. That was cute. The Edward um, Carlyle fight was pretty cute, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so, so then, uh, so then. We get the Charlie sex talk, the awkward Charlie. That sex was talk. when I was like, "Oh my god, that's her! That's her son, or like that's her daughter, his daughter." Like the the, the Charlie Bella, like how they were both so awkward talking about sex. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was good. And then like her just being like, "I'm still a virgin," be like, "God, nah, nah, I don't want to like what? Like, isn't that what you're having this conversation for?" <laughs> It it's a great know. scene. It's it's I love how character based it is. The movie just kind of stops and lets it just be like a moment between a dad and a daughter. And Charlie's mm-hmm. so pure and just like I don't know what he's trying to communicate, but can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and like how he's like mm-hmm. you'll kind of learn more about him. Where he's like, no, I'm not anti marriage. He's mature enough to be like, I can see why it didn't work out with your mom. And like, look what happened with her. She 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 found a good marriage after this. Like. It's you can I don't know how he's able to like you, you prop her up or show her as like a good example for Bella. I thought it was like mature of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate that when his 16 year old daughter asks him about marriage, alarm bells immediately go off and he's like, yeah, when you're older. Like much older. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it kind of like with that scene with the mom, it just kind of contextualizes stuff. And I think that's why the audience really attaches themselves to charlie so much is he such like a Mm -hmm. grounding presence yeah yeah but i have a question though now that we're talking about charlie for a little bit um Mm -hmm. is he good at his job do we think that he's like a good because like he's been trying to solve this this riley case for like over a year and like but that's in seattle so i don't know if that's like his jurisdiction for over a year maybe that's not maybe i misheard that is that is it? It's is, is this movie take place over that long of a period of time? I I think I don't think the movie takes place that long, but I think well, I guess in, I think they say that Victoria turned him a while ago. Like is, I don't think I don't know if it was a year, but yeah, because like the posters are kind of yellowed. Oh wow! Okay, um, I must have missed that. Holy cow! Uh, so is he good at his job? 
it's not his fault the vampires are real. <laughs> sure. It's That's, not his job to know that vampires are real. Yeah. I, and werewolves. And right, werewolves. and werewolves. Yeah, for sure. So, like, it is not insane or or make him bad at his job for assuming that for never assuming that those things are real. So well, not only are they real, they are people that he comes into contact with every day of his life. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so I, yeah, his best I friend, his best friend's son, his daughter's fiance. Yeah. I think he's good enough at his job. Uh, you know, with the information that he is uh, allowed to be privy to, I would say. Okay. Yeah. If he was any better at his job, it would almost, it would probably lead to trouble. He was like a little sharper, a little more tuned in. Yeah. Um, and also, if he was better at his job, he would be fired because everyone around him would be like, he's lost it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Um, I think Billy's a werewolf. Yeah. And uh, and it doesn't seem like he, you know what, I'll say the other reason I think he's good at his job, you don't see him like arresting a shitload of people. He's never like. It's not like I don't think the fort right. jails is full of 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 people that he's like locking up in there every day. So like it seems like he's not he's <laughs> not never like, seen, like giving mad. somebody a parking ticket. Yeah, or... <laughs> I don't know. Like it just seems like he's not like one of those like power mad cops. Like he's he seems uh, as as far as cops go, he seems like pretty good at his job. Honestly, it's not it's not like a copland situation where his arc over the of the the saga is slowly accruing more power in the community. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I don't know. What do you what do you think, Shania? He's doing his best. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, I I remember seeing a new moon where he's like, where hit he's with Harry Clearwater, and and it feels like Harry's like keeping it. You know, he's covering tracks, and you know Charlie's doing his best out there, but everyone around him is trying to keep him in the dark. Yeah, right. Yeah, for his I own love good. That's all anyone does in in these Twilight movies. It's just like lie to people for their own good <laughs> mm-hmm. i did it because i cared about you that's, that's all anyone does in this these movies. um so uh bella and edward have the night alone in the in the colon house oh man when they were when he was playing claire de lune when she drove up i thought that was a cool touch yeah um so they go straight to the bedroom mm-hmm. and she's like Hey, so if you want to get married, uh, I have a stipulation. My dad was talking about sex earlier, and I realized I wanted to have it with you. And Edward's like, "Whoa!" Um, and so uh, we basically we set the rule of uh, no sex for Bella, only marriage. Um, that's well, yeah, because like before that, leading up to it, she's like, "Can I give you my let my stipulation or right. my contract?" And Edward's like, "Whatever you want, whatever." And she's like, "I want to have sex as when I'm still a human." And he's like, accept that. Yeah. And it, and it's like, why? And he's like, oh, if it were me, I would have given you sweet. We would have had iced tea on the porch. Mm-hmm. And around walks. Yeah. And Bella's like, but I don't want that. I want to have sex with you because like, I really care about you. And, it, I, and I don't know. That was another ex- scene where I was thinking about like the power dynamics of this relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, what were your thoughts on like kind of in this scene in particular? Yeah, yeah. What you were talking about earlier, the the commentary, how they talk about like everything he does being sort of maintaining power in the relationship. And and it's always like, well, I'm doing it for you. Or in this scene, I think he says, I'm doing it to save your soul. Or this is how I can save your soul or something like that, which is 
you know, and then there's the whole, well, you're going to turn me into a vampire. So I don't know how souls are <laughs> yeah. being saved in this process. Yeah. You get the sense that Bella doesn't really like believe in that. Yeah. The way that Edward does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I definitely see that, but then at the same time, we're talking about sex, which does involve two people. And if one of them doesn't want to do it, it's weird that we're like automatically being like, well, it's a power thing. It's like, well, maybe he just doesn't want to have sex uh, until marriage. I don't know. Like, and that's not, that's, that's not, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing, I think, where. Oh, oh, and then I just, because what, what Edward doesn't tell Bella, well, he says that he alludes to it, Mm -hmm. are the like. The practical limits of like, Mm -hmm. Bella, you don't know what sex is going to be with me if you're not a vampire. Yeah. Like, and that comes into play in the next movie. Right. Of, and I feel like he could have communicated, not that these are real people, but he could have communicated that more clearly (laughs) to Bella. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. I think that, that and the whole Edward is a hundred years old and he's very old school because he's still got the mindset of a, you know man from the 1900s yeah Yeah, it's really interesting he's a hundred but also still 17 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know it's it's a weird it's just a weird situation that uh stephanie meyer has uh, put these characters in Uh, (laughs) that isn't really like explored in any meaningful way at least not in the movies i don't think so like I'm curious about how this is all portrayed in the books, uh, Shania. Like, in terms of, like, do we get more of his reasoning for this in the books versus her reasoning for wanting to do it? I don't I don't know if it's super different from how, what we do see, if there's probably more of it, but it, it feels like Edward's old school and you know and finds marriage sacred and also it's like a lot about he's worried that he'll lose control and Mm -hmm. hurt her yeah i don't think the sacred thing is coming up a lot with this like the marriage is sacred thing it seems like they're Mm -hmm. loosening their grip on that part of the character Mm -hmm. the sort of old-fashionedness i mean she calls him old school to her dad but like He's never properly being old school. It's always like we were talking about, like, I, we have to save your soul some way. And like, you know, all of these things. Right. He, he, yeah, There's all like, these justifications this... instead of him just being like, I just don't want to have sex until we're married. I, right. Because he has that moment where he's like, let this be. I want this to be the one thing that I don't break. The one rule that I don't well, break. Mm-hmm. Because, I'll, you know, he's at a, he's a very self He's drenched in guilt about himself mm-hmm. and like being a vampire and not having a soul. So he's he's seeing what he's doing to Bella as like ruining her and, you know, ending her life. So he's like, let let me just at least keep this shred of, quote, decency or, you know, civility. Yeah. Is Edward also a virgin? Yes. we're Yes. OK. Yeah. So see, I don't know if that's ever said in the movies explicitly. Yeah, I guess you just have to assume, Um, which makes his being like, you don't know what it's like to have sex with a vampire, like, really funny. (laughs) Carlisle told me once a hundred years ago, and it scared the crap out of me. Carlisle gave me the talk once. It was a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Okay, so... Uh, so then we get this scene where Victoria is like hardcore, emotionally manipulating Riley and being like, I love you. Like, I want you to kill the Collins. And he's like, I'm totally going to kill the Collins. And she's like, cool. <laughs> um, 
Is there? Shania, are you googling Sh- uh, Edward Cullen Virgin right now? I did do that. Yes. Great. <laughs> just, to, just I was like, I'm pretty sure, but let me double check. Um, Google was like total virgin. <laughs> bold caps. Mm-hmm. He's a virgin. In fact, said drive. Um, it said Edward's so chivalrous that he remained a virgin for 108 years. Yeah. That's pretty chivalrous. Yeah. It's pretty something. Um, <laughs> so uh, this this plot by Victoria to like have mm. all of these newborn vampires in like their wildest period is her thought process being like the colons are so powerful with their like magic psychic powers and shit that the only way to beat them is with an army of new bloods because they're all insane. Is that the thought process here? Yes. Okay. And there's also this, I, I don't know how much this comes up in the movie. It doesn't seem like it does, but there's this, like she keeps them all in the dark about like who the Cullens are and who the Volturi are and like what they are. And she, she kind of just like sets it up for them. Like we have to defeat the Cullens so we can live the way where we want to live. And, and, this is the only way she can do that is yeah. to like, she knows she can't go in there on her own and she can't make decisions to go in there. So she's like using them to shield that. Right. Because the second she does something directly, Alice could potentially see what's happening because she does, Alice doesn't know any of the newborn. So it's just like, yeah. she can't have visions about people. She doesn't know. It, she, this is really unclear. I guess not. I feel like she usually can, but Okay. I guess she's been, they, they say like she's been keeping tabs on Arrow and she's been keeping tabs on Victoria. So I guess she can direct it and she doesn't know to direct it at people she doesn't know. Right. Or because sometimes it seems like she's also kind of, because she, she sees, it's implied that she saw visions of Jasper before actually meeting him. Yes. But it's like, because that's yeah. her person. Yeah. And then, because um, there's some cool scenes where they're like, having like just talks with the Cullens or the Cullens and the werewolves. And they're like, well, could it be the Volteri? Cause like the Volteri have wanted Bella or Edward and Alice on their side for a long time. Maybe they're trying to get rid of all of us. It's just interesting that they're in a world where they have like two villains mm-hmm. and they're like trying to find out which one that it is. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of drove me crazy that Bella's the one to say, oh, like Bella's the one to figure out and say, it's Victoria. Victoria's coming after me. And I was like, well, obviously you like, have who, two people. Who else yeah. hates Bella? <laughs> like, why would it be anyone else? Because yeah, like she hasn't finished her crusade from New Moon. Yeah. How many people do we know that want to kill Bella? Like two. So yeah. uh, currently the Volteri don't even want to kill her. They're just like, hey, turn her. We want to see how that how that turns out. Mm hmm. We're just really curious and we're really impatient. <laughs> I, I like that cool scene of the Volteri led by Jane, like looking out at the army being formed and like, all right, let's mm-hmm. just see how this goes. Let's see. That's, that's all they do is just, they see how things play out. That's, that's what they, that's... <laughs> let's see how this plays out in, in Latin in their throne room. It's just like, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, so yeah. So then uh, they're like, okay, so the, the, the uh the the newborn vampires are on their way and uh we know that Victoria's on her way so we need to get Bella to safety and so there's this weird handoff situation where Edward and and Bella show up to Jacob and Jacob's like cool and like carries her up a hill and Edward's like all right I'll see you later and then they get up the hill and then Edward's there waiting 
with a tent. And I'm like, I don't. I don't understand why Jacob was necessary. Like, what was that process? Why, so, why the handoff process? The and the carrying is is interesting. Mm-hmm. So originally they built like a rig that was going to hold up Kristen Stewart, so that like all Taylor Lautner would be doing is like kind of like cradling her, holding her, but then like the weight would be on the machine. And then they filmed it, and it looked like unnatural. And so they just asked Taylor Lautner, "Hey, are you cool with just carrying a human?" for the whole day take after take while delivering dialogue like a two to three page dialogue scene and it's just another example of them really stretching the limits of like what they can get away with making taylor lautner do in these movies (laughs) and like in the commentary Stuart was like i don't know why i'm being carried i don't know why we're just walking yeah um she was like is this another meyer fantasy like romantic thing um must be but yeah, but Slade was like, ah, he couldn't move his arms the day after. Like it was so, and it's like, <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. He probably, his muscles probably felt like mashed potatoes by the end of the day. Uh, Shania, what do you think about like that kind of aspect of the. Yeah. They they say that it's to like mask Bella's scent. And like, I, I guess you could argue that like, it'll be faster if he just carries her instead of them walking. Um, and, <laughs> but it also feels like. <laughs> We're mirroring the like the twilight scene where Edward runs her up the hill and then runs around in the sunlight. Like now Jacob gets to do it. Right. He almost says hold tight spider monkey. <laughs> but um, yeah, they Taylor Lautner had to do a lot of shit in these movies. And then uh all these newborn vampires were like, We just saw Pirates of the Caribbean and uh <laughs> we're gonna Loved do it. the same thing. We're gonna walk underwater and just slowly walk out of the water. Um, which is which is pretty cool and i also wonder i'm sure this is not intentional but you know we talk about how religious stephanie meyer is and i just find it fascinating that like they're literally like antichrists because they're walking under the water instead of on top of it like i just found that kind of interesting um that that scenario but uh i don't know I haven't read the, I'll I'd be honest, I haven't read Revelations, but that'd be crazy if like that was written, that the Antichrist <laughs> is going to rise out of the water. Yeah. Well, like, I just meant like a literal, like Antichrist. But... Oh, like the rever- reverse, reverse okay. Christ. Yeah. Reverse yeah. Christ. Yes, exactly. Like reverse <laughs> flash. Yes. <laughs> it's me, reverse Christ. <laughs> I walk under the water. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I just thought that that was interesting. Um sure. So um, it this is like Vancouver, right? Or like, you know, exterior Vancouver. But then, and we're not going to skip the, the campfire scene, but after the campfire or after, after the tent scene, it's just like this huge soundstage. Yeah, it feels like that's the case. It definitely feels like a soundstage, like set. But, uh, but Shania, in your Slash Film article, uh, five essential Twilight scenes uh, for each movie, now that they're, they're all on Netflix, this was your scene for Eclipse. Oh yes. The, the, the oh, yes. <laughs> it had to be. <laughs> this yeah, I feel like Eclipse is the the love triangle movie, you know. This is where we're finally going to deal with these two being together and it's fascinating to me that that in dealing with the love triangle, Edward and Jacob never fight. Like it, it seems like in a movie about vampires and werewolves having a love triangle, we get a big fight scene between the two. Mm-hmm. romantic interest and instead we get jacob cuddling bella in a tent and then them talking about how they might be friends if they weren't fighting over this girl just kind of talking it out mm-hmm. yeah and sort of like letting like hey like this is why i think what you're saying is bullshit 
It's like, no, think about it like this. And yeah, it was, it's a really interesting scene. I mean, we get the iconic line, like, let's face it, I'm hotter than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, why you see these in a theater, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rosenberg uh, expressed, like, difficulty. She was like, it was always really difficult writing any Edward Jacob argument scenes. Because it's like, this is still a 106-year-old man arguing with, like, a 16-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And, like, how how angry would Edward get? How much, like, where where is he coming from? Like, how emotional would he get? And I, I think this is a pretty cool scene between the two of them. Um, Jacob, again, is just kind of, I don't know. I just, it, it, I, he's kind of the weak point of the triangle for me in these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I just don't think he ever really holds a strong chance of actually, you know, yeah, <laughs> coming out on top. And so, like, yeah, I think that's what that's where the the sort of um, weak point of the triangle comes right. from. It's just like you never for a second believe that she'll ever be with Jacob. So, yeah. And like, I don't believe him when he says, like, you know, that her life would be easier with me mm-hmm. because I think we I don't think we see enough of that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Because, I mean, she'll always be an outsider to, like, the tribe, you know? Like, when you go to the tribe, it's not like anyone else is married to, like, a white woman, um, you know? So, like, she, even if they, like, ended up together, like, she would still always be an outsider to that group. And so, would it be a happier existence? Like, I don't know. I mean, they seem very open to her, like, you know, but it is still something that isn't really dealt with at all or or explained. Like, you never get a a view of like what they would be like together in the future down the and, line. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of stands into like the Quaalude characters aren't nearly as fleshed out as the Cullen characters. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the same in the books. I, like, I don't know if they're like given more backstory and stuff. Um, they're, they're given more, but it's still mostly the Cullens. Yeah. Sure. 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 Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, uh, Oh, there's this crazy part in the commentary where Stuart was like, at one point David Slade was like, yeah, and you can hear them argue. And I want you to be like reacting as you're sleeping. And she was like, the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I was actually wondering about this. I was wondering if I was supposed to know that she was awake or not when they're talking. Because it does keep cutting to her face and she does do some sort of like (laughs) sleep (laughs) act. But I was like, flutter your eyes. Give me something. I don't know. Yeah. Like open one eye (laughs) sneakily. Um, But uh, yeah. And then the next morning. Edward spills the beans on purpose about the wedding, about about the engagement. Is this his biggest scumbag move of the series so far? Oh. I I guess. That's a big question. Maybe just this one, Eclipse. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like a little, it, it feels like a little merciful of him. Like he's. That's true. Like That's against her will. But but I guess his reasoning and his, and his you know, Edward Cullen brain where logic is you know very different mm-hmm. um he's saving him from you know not maybe this wasn't the moment to do it mm-hmm. but he <laughs> he knows that bella isn't gonna tell him anytime soon and and he's like after talking to him last night he clearly isn't letting right. go so i need to i need to break this guy's heart for his own good yeah yeah and let him know yeah. like he really doesn't it's on like a race i mean it's it's not it's not anywhere near Jacob's move in New Moon of like he's planning a funeral. Uh like that was <laughs> way worse than this. Way worse. Um 
But uh, but yeah, Jacob uh, runs off and pouts, and Bella is like, "That was really mean," and then runs off after him, and then like asks him to kiss her, and they kiss because it's like otherwise he wouldn't stay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, he has to think that there's. So you're saying there's a chance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, it, it's also this kiss is supposed to convince us that Bella realizes she is also in love with him. And I never feel like I get there. No. Yeah, like there's that line that he has where it's like, that should have been our first kiss. And it's like, those kisses were lateral to me mm-hmm. in terms of like, they were both, she's like, this is like just to get you to do what has to happen. Right. So you don't, mm-hmm. like, we need you for the battle. One was through physical manipulation and the other one was through like emotional manipulation, you know? So yeah. like, either way, she didn't actually want to kiss him. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. Is it, is it, is it that way in the book as well, where she's like, well, I guess I got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. It pretty much like he pretty much says the same thing. And, but, it, but the way it's written, this is also where she like, is like, yeah, Oh, I do love Jacob, I guess. Like she doesn't <laughs> want to kiss him. And we're supposed to believe that she fell in love with him in new moon, but she doesn't realize it until she kisses him this time. Huh. But, Oh yeah, yeah. Cause that's even a line Jacob has in the tent scene where Edward's like, mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't love you. It's like, yeah, she does. She just doesn't realize it, which is like, you know, it's like bad stalker line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, there, there's a lot of stuff in these movies that I think <laughs> I think Stephanie Meyer is just not aware of what it sounds like to people mm-hmm. who aren't Mormon, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's. It Are is... we at the battle scene? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, uh, the, the, the new blood show up and they fight the werewolves and the Cullens and, um, and, and Victoria was not expecting the werewolves. Uh, and so she is like surprised that they're like, Oh, they're working together. That's fucked up. Uh, wasn't expecting that. Uh, pretty impressive digital effects work. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should talk about the porcelain skin, right? Cause that's like kind of new to this movie. Like the, the shattering thing. So the movie science behind this that the filmmakers worked out is that when you become a vampire, it chemically hardens your blood and your skin. And that's what makes the crystallization happen. Okay. Uh, hence why they shine in the sunlight. And yeah. and like why Edward couldn't just like, hold, you know, make Bella warmer is because he's not warm and of, made of blood. Right, right. Like Jacob. Right. But yeah, like they had like real humans reacting to wolves that weren't there through like you know just like effect work and timing and stuff and just watching it all come together and then the compositing of the wolves on top of it was you know yeah it's an impressive fight scene yeah i I don't know if you guys have seen the very famous photos of taylor lautner in his um cgi suit head to toe okay yes and kristen stewart petting him (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah Uh, 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 scott there's scenes where the wolves are in their wolf form and it's like, hey, Jacob. And like they're having like the heart to heart. They wanted Taylor Lautner to be in this. Again, stuff they made Taylor Lautner do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's wearing like a full body suit and like, hey, Jacob. And he has to like just stand there and like smolder. And then like. <laughs> and wow. then she pets his head. Yeah. The petting is interesting because like that was a David Slade like directing Kristen Stewart. It's like, uh, pet him. Just try petting him. And the animator's like, no, don't do that. That's oh. going to be so much work. Oh, no. And, so then they had to like animate the hairs being padded and stuff like that um those poor animators that probably cost them uh like an extra like two weeks of overtime 
uh, I liked it when Emmett and the one wolf had a moment on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Like, they okay. like had like a nice, like nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Respect. Um. So then, uh, Riley makes it up the mountain. And mm-hmm. comes face to face with Edward and Bella and Edward like basically tries to convince him like, hey, she doesn't care about yeah. you. Yeah. She yeah. she loved James. She doesn't love you. She's lying. You're just being manipulated. I'm really sorry, bro. But like this is not going to happen and it's not going to end well for you. Mm-hmm. And and then Bryce Dallas Howard's Victoria is just like, what? No, that's not true. And just like in the most unconvincing way. But like. <laughs> I guess Riley is like far enough off that he's just like, I, I mean, what other choice do I have? And you know, like she turned him. So I'm sure he's like maybe more chemically inclined to like, yeah, believe him. It's true. Um, but yeah, in general, I'm just confused by this whole situation because Edward had nothing to do with the death of James. And so is that different in the book? Is, is in the book, did he legitimately kill James? I don't think so, but I think her reasoning is, you know, James died because he was hunting Bella and Edward wanted to protect her. So mm-hmm. Edward is to blame. Okay. Well, uh, we, this came up in our Twilight episode, but the Alice ripping the head off was a specific Catherine Hardwick idea. Mm. Okay. So I guess it makes sense that like it's not in the text. Yeah. Of, like friggin' Alice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So like. So yeah, so they they fight and then uh it seems like they're gonna like rip Edward's head off because they're like tag teaming and mm-hmm. uh and then Bella like finds a sharp rock and like cuts her arm open, which uh distracts them long enough for like a werewolf to like <laughs> jump out and drag Riley away. Oh, um, which he I just think seems that... pissed off about. Like it's not even like <laughs> the... he's like he's just like God damn it, fucking the wolves. Fact, <laughs> the fact that there's no final death scream is so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like pulled off stage. Yeah, he's just like pouting. I don't know. It's just really funny. Uh, I think that was the Boo Boo Stewart wolf. Oh, uh, oh, Seth. Yeah, Seth. Yeah, yes. yeah. Boo Boo Stewart from Days of Future Past. Oh, right. Yes. Um, and so. Uh, so then that leaves uh, Edward to be able to kill Victoria and just like twist her head off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I guess to go back to our first discussion, like I think this would have felt like more of a, the completion of an arc had this been like Rochelle LeVerve. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, when I got to the end of this and like, she's dead, I'm just like, wow, really? Like we, we recast this character with, with Bryce Dallas Howard for this. And I, I didn't know about the scheduling conflict thing. Um, though I think you're right. I think your instinct's right, Nick. I think it was just an excuse to get rid of her because somebody at the studio must not have liked her or something and felt like they got like stuck with her or something. Um, or like there was an opportunity to like get good quote, like a name right in the vein of like Dakota Fanning. Right. Right. Um, which, you know, this movie, the series, sort of introduces most of the major players in the first movie. And then it's just like, well, so now we're just stuck with them. We were making this little indie (laughs) YA adaptation where we couldn't cast like quote unquote real actors because we didn't have the budget for it. And now we're just stuck with all of them. Well, that's not fair. Like, you know, I could see the studio feeling that way. So yeah, um, Mm -hmm. it's just unfortunate. It's definitely not uh, alien to these franchises that we cover. 
Yeah. Where, you know, I mean, in the X-Men where they're like, I know you were a background player, but now your character has lines. So we're going to hire like someone that's been on the WB. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and then Jacob gets his little ribbies broken by like some, his little ribbies broken by some rando vampire, like some vampire. I don't even think we've ever seen before. (laughs) And so I'm curious to see if this is in the book, Shania, but like the movie goes out of their way to make Jacob's injury Leah's mistake. That is true in the books, but the Leah is a bigger player in the book. So this is a bigger, this is a much bigger moment. This is supposed to be her like accepting herself as part of the pack and like, it's supposed to be a big thing that Jacob, you know, tries to protect her because they've all sort of treated her like an outsider, but now he's accepting her and she's accepting that she's a member of the pack. But yeah, it's without all of that. I keep thinking about like the theoretical Twilight Netflix series and how (laughs) in the the season finale of the eclipse season, it could be like the whole season we could have like gone into how Leah feels being the first female member of the only female member of the tribe and her stuff mm-hmm. with Sam accumulating in this event and like really could have been something cool. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure it was in the books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, the Collins have decided that they're going to adopt the, the one of the new bloods um, the girl and they're like, yeah, she's going to be Brie. a new Colin. Um, we like her and we think that, she could like maybe not drink human blood. She seems cool. It's, yeah. It's like when, yeah, it's like when they introduce like a new little kid in a sitcom. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, but then the Volturi are like, nah, she got to die. Uh, sorry. I, we just don't, we don't give a shit about new bloods and we don't like any of this going on. It's like, it's a good reminder that the Volturi are like merciless. Mm-hmm. And cause like, again, they do, they do a lot of observing in this one, mm-hmm. but this is like the reminder Hey, they're a threat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she orders Felix to kill the kid, uh, and it's really sad. It's really sad because she is fucking terrified, and she's never not been terrified. That's her only emotion since becoming a vampire is just, like, terrified of everything, and then she dies, and it's a bummer. It's a real bummer. Um, Yeah. Uh, Shania, did you read the the short second life of Brie Tanner? I did. I always thought it was the best Twilight book Partially because it was so short and so it didn't have time to meander, but yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool thing to, I don't know, like that bit of marketing is interesting of like Mm -hmm. releasing a novella in conjunction with a movie to kind of flesh out a character. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We have yet to to have anyone on the show that has read the Edward book, though. Uh, I read half of it. Okay. How was it? (laughs) Like what is what is it trying to do? I thought it was very fun. Um, it, it's trying to. It is. It's. I don't know. Like we're we're hanging out with Edward. We're seeing. I, I thought it was very fun, but it also like contradicts so much of what you think you know in Twilight. Oh. I thought, or it reframes Edward. It kind of makes him worse. It it you get all these moments where in twilight you think he's looking at bella and he's in love with her and we're in his head now and he's like man i want to eat her god i wish i could eat her (laughs) wow um is it just twilight does it only cover twilight or does it go across the whole saga i didn't finish it but i think it only covers twilight wow yeah that's really interesting that's surprising yeah yeah i think there was an idea that she was gonna rewrite all the books from Edward's perspective and Midnight Sun was written like years and years ago and like leaked online. And then 
and then she like came back to it a couple years ago and released it and i, I don't it doesn't sound like more are coming hmm. but, um okay. i have a, um in midnight sun uh is there additional insight into the other collins like do we learn more about because we're you know we're at the house a lot more yes but again it's always it's so i don't know if it's because it was written so long ago um it's it's always so like that's not what I that's not how I used to think of Rosalie or like that's not oh, how okay. I thought Edward and Rosalie's relationship was and then this book is like Edward hates Rosalie and we're like I thought they were they had I guess it's like a difference of perspective and maybe it's just that Bella thought this was true but it's not mm-hmm. were you um were you a, a a reader creator at all of like Twilight fan fiction back in the day. I really don't want to answer that, but okay, fair enough. No, no, okay. you're good. <laughs> unfortunately, I want a well, little bit because it seems like this series is so so lends itself to fan fiction because you have this like gallery of such rich characters that you don't get a lot mm-hmm. of interactions. Yeah, yeah, I think it's exactly what you were saying. Where um, the great moments where we see them like in a cafeteria, like ultimately that's what we want more of. Like we don't care that much about the victoria showdown because what's more fun is teenagers in high school but now they're vampires you know yeah and yeah and i i don't know yeah it's like the as these ratchet up they become more and more like tentpole movies and less and less Mm -hmm. like the awkward ya movie the twilight was yeah yeah that's why i watched so much of the vampire diaries because that's (laughs) that's what i wanted and that's what i got in that show um but there's uh, a there's a part not to like really there's a part where like they're way back in and Emmett's like whoa Bella you uh took out a you, you did you, you know punched you the werewolf punched or... a werewolf pretty badass and Bella's like bad, tough enough to take you on and David Slade was like trying to direct her like come on it's Emmett like <laughs> pal around and Kristen Stewart was like I've never spoken to Emmett yeah oh, wow <laughs> oh man yeah it's it's yeah. interesting that that. They seem to have been, they were like so frustrated, it seems like, with David Slade as a director. Um, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I think he did a pretty good job. I think he like, he slips into this world pretty seamlessly. Yeah. But yeah, and I'm just thinking about how good a Twilight series would be. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that they just, you know, I think he was trying to like, almost like Alfonso Cuaron, the series, where like, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to like, make everybody a lot more human and, and like, you know, kind of rebuild this world from scratch a little. And then everybody was just like, Oh no, we don't give a shit. Like none of us give a shit about any of this. So like, stop, like just, it's fine. Like just make a twilight movie. It's fine. And we'll all go home and we'll get a great paycheck. And then we'll be back next year to do it again. But like, you won't, you won't, (laughs) but like we will. And, and that's why we're not going to let you like reinvent this and make it a real movie. (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, there really isn't a prisoner of Azkaban for these. There's a, they're all pretty consistent with one another. Yeah. 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 And I think that, I think that consistency really does come from the, the contempt that so many of the people making it had for it, you know, um, just, I would, I think I get more, uh, I think frustration or like trying to like make sense of this very unique world that Meyer created mm-hmm. and they, they committed themselves to being faithful. Yeah. And so they're like, how do we translate this to the screen? Yeah. Is that, is that also true of the first one that like frustration or resignment? I think, um, 
I from what I think less so because I think like it it's so simple in that first chapter mm-hmm. of like oh like the vampire is trying to suppress his hunger but he's in love with the girl and mm-hmm. they're trying to figure each other out and then when we get into like the machinations of the Volteri like this whole franchise I keep going back to what if they had what if they had kept Catherine Hardwick the whole time yeah mm-hmm. how would these movies have looked different how, would they have come out when they did. Mm-hmm. Would they have been would they have been adapted so faithfully? You know, yeah, I don't know. Like, would Catherine Hardwick be like, well, this stuff doesn't work, and this is like a betrayal of like what that first movie was, and that's what I liked. So, we're gonna, you know, mess with it, shake things up a little bit. Um, like, would she, if they had kept her around, would she have had the, um, I guess like the creative strength to do that? You mm-hmm. know, at that point. So, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, but we we wrap up. We're back in the meadow, and yeah. now we see the ring. Yeah, yeah. There's this. The, uh, Jacob and Bella have like a scene of like. Oh yeah, I actually really like that scene. I like that because like Carlisle and Billy have like that handshake moment, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I like that that is what solidifies the the Quaalude and Cullen relationship. Not like a big battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, and then we go to the the. We go to the meadow and uh and I love that like <laughs> that Bella is just like continuously being like, It's my life. I I wanna do what I wanna do. It's my life. You don't get to dictate what I want out of my life. Um, but I do I, I it's my life, but I do want Alice to plan it. Um she's gonna plan the whole <laughs> wedding, my dress, all of it. But that's what I want. <laughs> and so it just I don't know, it's just a really funny conversation. <laughs> Uh, from alice's perspective she's already planned it true right because she just knows Mm -hmm. what did you think of her final speech or her like when she's like this is yeah that this is my life and this is my world too um so something interesting i i i i think i liked it before at the end of the commentary stewart kind of critiques it from like a writing standpoint Mm not so much from an acting standpoint. And she's like, I think this kind of feels like a cop out where it's like, see, it's not really about Edward. It's not all about the guy, but she's like, but what's wrong with that? If it is mm-hmm. like, why is that bad? Why does that weaken Bella as a character? Mm-hmm. And so now I'm not so sure how I feel about that last monologue. We're watching it again this morning. How do you feel about it? Hmm, I like that critique. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I felt similar to her is that it it frustrated me because it it feels like a response to the well Bella's a weak character because she's doing everything for Edward. Mm-hmm. Like this feels like they're saying, Well, she's not, she's doing it for her because she feels like she belongs here and it's fate. And I don't know if fate is a great argument for that's that's why Bella's doing everything she's doing. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if I'm convinced that she's not doing it for Edward, and I don't know that that's a bad thing or it's a bad thing for the reasons that she they're saying it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, Scott, I want to, uh, do you have any opinion on the final monologue? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it does feel like the movie is trying to have its cake and eat it. Um, for sure. Like it does feel like they're like, it feels a little bit like that moment in, in Endgame with like, where like all the lady heroes show up and they're like, here we are the lady heroes. And it's like, 
I mean, cool, I guess. I, yeah, all right. But like, you know, none of you have ever talked to each other, and and you're all barely characters, unfortunately. Like, and well, so like, it does feel a little bit like trying to do a thing to prove a point about a criticism, and yet it it's also like unraveling everything that we've set up up to this point. Yeah, and 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 what both of you said reminded me of. Uh, not to keep going back to the commentary, but there's this moment in the movie where uh, they come to they come to the woods, Edward and Bella, and Jacob already has his shirt off, and he's just like leaning against the car, and Edward's like, "Doesn't he ever wear a shirt?" And he was like, Pattinson was like, critics praised the movie at the time for finally some self aware moments and some self aware jokes, and he was like, "Why do we need that?" Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel that way about this monologue now, where it, it feels like it's kind of more talking to the audience than Edward of like, see, I know everyone online is, and, and reviews is saying that I'm making all my decisions for a man, but I'm not. And it feels like mm-hmm. kind of compromising the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I just prefer my stories to be earnest. And I don't I don't like it when they start being self-aware in this way, you know, I mean, you know, I, we, we did a mini series on the screen franchise. I love self-aware stuff, but like, you know, I, I think it's, it's appropriate in scream. Whereas like here, it's like, you just want an earnest story about like a, a teenage girl who loves a vampire. Like that's why you're here, you know? Um, Cause they're mostly very earnest, weird movies. Right. The weirdness kind of comes from the earnestness. Right. Right. And that's, yeah. and that's what I like about it. Um, I like the earnestness. And so, this moment and yeah, that shirtless moment, they both feel a little off kilter for this series because it's like, oh, suddenly you're aware that he's never wearing a shirt. Also, this is the first time that he hasn't worn a shirt in this movie. So like this line doesn't even feel appropriate. Like you saw him earlier and he was wearing a shirt. Right. Um, so like what With are you like, talking uh, about? <laughs> which is like, you know, pe- people who are critical of that scene in Endgame was like, where is this coming from from a movie standpoint? This is right. just you kind of talk poking at the audience or like mm-hmm. sh- exposing your shoulder for us to pat your back. Yeah. Um, right. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's weird. Wick Godfrey, the producer uh, had this quote at the end that I've been thinking about where he said that film franchises are very participatory mm-hmm. where the audience or the audiences kind of have a part in how the movies shape and move forward. And in twilight in particular, and I was kind of just thinking about, how these movies are kind of reacting to how the people are perceiving them as they're happening mm-hmm. in interesting ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, and speaking of the earnestness, the very last like beat of this movie um, is I thought was really interesting and indicative of the franchise because you have this whole bit where they're like talking about like how they have to break the news to Charlie that they're going to get married. And then they like, make out in this like very delicate sort of romantic way and the lighting and the thing. And then it's like fade to black and then the credits and it's like, Oh wow. You ended on this really earnest romantic beat. Right. But then if this was any other franchise, this movie ends with they kiss. They're like, Oh yes. Like we're going to get married and they kiss and it's romantic. And then she's like, they stop kissing. There's a beat. And she goes, but now you have to tell Charlie cut to credits. And like, oh, I see what you mean. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like yeah. you end on yeah. like a joke of like, now you got to tell Charlie, Oh, you know, like that, that sort of like, you can see a version of this movie that ends there, but that's the non earnest version. And I love that they went for the earnest version of the ending of this, of like, we're in love, we're getting married. This is something to celebrate our, our romance and the feelings that we have for each other. We're not going to end on a joke before going to the credits, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you can, you can picture the kind of the more MCU-ified yes. editing of that. Like, right. Well, we can't be that earnest. We got to yeah. have a little, a little jokey at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, and so we have, Shania, any closing thoughts on like revisiting Eclipse this time? It was a great time. I mean, I, <laughs> um, I think for maybe because of the way I started Twilight as like on the internet and like already in the, you know, the fan fiction of it all and the wikia and all the like character backstories, that's always been my favorite part is everything everyone else is doing and everything behind them. And this being the movie where we start to get into that, even though it's not, you know, we don't learn that much new about the Quillettes or about the werewolves but we get a little bit of time with everyone we get rosalie's backstory and jasper and it's nice that they're trying to open up even though ultimately everything comes back to edward and bella and everything has to be reshaped around them and can i turn a question on you guys please team edward or team jacob i mean like i mean pretty almost 100 percent team edward yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I would almost l- listeners, if you're out there and if you are like very team Jacob, I would love to hear your thoughts on on why. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't get it. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't I, I don't get it. And and I and the thing is, I don't even like dislike Taylor Lautner in this in, in these movies. I just don't find his chemistry with Bella to be convincing really outside of like friendship chemistry, like just general friendship chemistry, but I don't find that they have romantic chemistry really at all. And I, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like they just don't click in my head at all. Because and I don't mean to open up the can of worms of, 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 of uh, spike and angel, but if, <laughs> if you look at Buffy and, and, and spike, you could see all the reasons why they don't work or shouldn't work, but their chemistry was so just at the forefront that you were like, I can't help but want these characters to have scenes together and be together and make out. Yeah, sure. And unfortunately, I don't, yeah, I don't think that carries over to uh, Jacob and Bella. No, no. Um, but yeah, but you said you were mostly team Jacob, huh? Yeah. Up, up until Eclipse, I feel like. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, at that kinda... point, like, it's like, well, okay, so now Breaking Dawn's going to happen. They're going to get married. We have to get everybody on board. So we got to jettison yeah. this Jacob thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think Jacob was ever a real option, yeah. if we're all being honest with ourselves. And I think that jumping on him was also kind of like, I don't want to do the romance that you're pushing on me. I like the other option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be interesting. I don't know. It got me thinking on when have I been engaged by triangles in, in fiction. And. I don't know if yeah. I have like the Bridget Jones movies or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause there's we'll always see. one that is like, obviously not the choice mm-hmm. <laughs> in almost every scenario. I would say the love triangle and vampire diaries does legitimately work. Okay. I think. Shania, are you a vampire diaries viewer at all? I never watched past the first season. Mm. So, so I don't have a lot of insight on it, but I was always, very confused to learn as it continued that everyone was on team Damon or that Damon was the popular choice having only seen season one of Damon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, fair. Yeah. 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 They <laughs> really kind of declaw him. I understand. Right. Uh, I mean, almost literally. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Cause there's actually, there's actually like a part of the mythology that has to do with 
the way vampires work in in Vampire Diaries, uh, where you actually do kind of get defanged, and that's how you kind of like get your soul back and stop being evil. So like, uh, they actually literally do that to him later in the series, mm-hmm. and then that's okay. when they start building their chemistry. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good are there show. ever way are there ever seen? Ever, than, than it has any right to be. Um, you is say? there some of the like Edward being in a Florida hotel kind of fun stuff that they do? Oh yeah, tons. Okay, cool. Tons. Literally, like the fourth episode is like they both have to join the football team. Like, come on, that's it's so silly. <laughs> it's so silly. Um, yeah, it's could, great. Could definitely use more of that in these yeah. Twilight movies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Shania, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was so fun. Where can yeah. uh, people find you if they want to hear more from you? Um, they can find me on Twitter at uh, ser- at seriously Shania. That's seriously like serious black. Um, <laughs> and I write uh, on the news desk at Slash Film, so you can find me there too. Nice, awesome. Yeah, uh, we're in uncharted waters next week. Scott has not seen Breaking Dawn Part One. That's true. You're in for a treat. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see one that I haven't seen yet. So, uh, you know, it's been fun revisiting these, but the the prospect of like finally closing the book on this series is exciting for me. <laughs> Do you know what happens in the last two? Mostly, yes. Just through like cultural osmosis. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure there are some surprises to be had that I don't know about. But uh, I, I think I know the big swings that they take. Yeah. Uh, We'll get into that next week. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, bye, everybody. Bye.